0: <laughs> welcome to Bloom Living. I am your host, Thomas DeShooter, former rock musician turned financial strategist, sharing amazing ideas from amazing people looking to up the game of life whenever we can. Good morning and welcome to the Bloom Living podcast. I am your host, Thomas DeShooter, And we are deep into the COVID-19 experience. And I'm curious, for all of you out there, how you're holding up. What sort of things are you getting up to? How are you dealing with this? And I guess what I'm really curious about is what are you thinking is going to shift when we do come back uh, from this uh, this experience, when we do get back to what we used to think was normal, and maybe this is going to be a new normal for us. You know, I'm really, really seeing a lot in the world of order. And, you know, before I dive into that, first of all, I, I truly send out my love and appreciation for wherever anybody is at through this experience. And we're all dealing with way different things as we go through this. For me, I've worked from home for the last few years. And so on that, ex- on that experience, not much has changed for me in that I'm working from home. However, my kids are now home. They're not in school. And so I am experiencing some shifts in how I have to organize my day. And I'm just really curious how people are doing out there as we go through this. And, you know, the biggest thing I can offer in the world of getting through this is is order. Creating some form of order in your life and in your thinking. It's not lost on me that there's a lot of fear out there and we're not certain of the future at all. And I I don't know that we ever are certain of the future. However, we do have various stages where we think we understand what the future is going to look like. And it allows us some freedom when we've got a positive bend on the future. Right now, we don't. And I think in the world of order, if if we can organize our thinking into just being present, allowing ourselves to be here in the moment not worried about what's happening and i know I'm, I'm not trying to make this sound easy and just throw things aside that's not my intention here my intention is to really set a, a platform for people to to maybe hear that there is an opportunity to look at the way we think at things think of things to to view how we operate in the world and in our daily lives and it all starts with our thoughts our thoughts create our experience and so if you know let's go back to the future example hey, that's a movie, Back to the Future. That's not what I mean, though. No. but let's go back to my comment earlier about the future. If our view is that the future is gonna be fantastic and wonderful and we're living into something that we can't wait for. For example, maybe you have, a, you know, there was a point in time where you had a vacation coming up and you're just like, yeah, I can't wait to go on that vacation, it's gonna be amazing. And so you've got a little skip to your step because you're thinking about that and you're seeing that coming into play for you. and. Everything else doesn't really matter. And now it might be different where that's not on the radar ahead. And what might be coming ahead is, is doom and gloom. And we don't know exactly how things are going to unfold. And so now that future that you're living into or thinking is going to be coming is actually stopping you from, from being present and in the moment. And it's the same with the the thinking on the vacation. You're still not being present and in the moment. And yet, if we could just get ourselves into the place of being present, into the place of standing where we are with whatever is going on, and learn to breathe in the moment, there are gifts that are right in front of us there are opportunities that are right in front of us to experience life in the moment. And it does take work. And there are gonna be emotions that come up and there are gonna be fears that come up. And how have we developed a sense of order in order to deal with those things? Because they're gonna come. There is no way we're going to get through life without stuff happening, stuff that we love and stuff that we don't love. And so if we can train ourselves to be uh, ironclad with our thinking, to put up a gate of no, I am not going to allow the external stuff to penetrate my presence. Because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why this is important. When we can be present to exactly how we're feeling, to exactly where we are, and we can allow ourselves to release all of the noise and and hear, hear our life beyond the noise or see our life beyond the noise by being present, then we can create. Then we have the ability for ideas to come in that could lead us forward in a way that empowers us see when we're scrambled with our thinking or when we're thinking when we're focused on the future of stuff we're closing off the ability to be in the moment and and have those thoughts and ideas and thoughts and ideas are where real Abundance lies. That's where we can have an unlimited supply, if you will. That's where we can tap into what Wallace D. Waddles calls the thinking substance. That is where we can begin to build anew, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I recommend getting out in nature. If there's anything you can do to get yourself outside into nature, uh, I do it every day and it is what grounds me. It is brings. here's what it does for me. It brings me back to just a sense of ease and comfort when I'm out on the trails walking with my dog and whether I have people with me or not, there is a sense of peace and calmness. And I think it comes from something as simple as the birds don't actually know what's going on right now with us humans. Like they're just out there tweeting their songs, doing their work, busy about creating their springtime Life moving into summer. They have no concept of what is happening for our species, humanity, right now. They're just doing their thing, and that's a beautiful thing to experience. And I have that too. Just even with my dog, you know, when I'm on the trails with my dog, and he's just like he's just chewing a stick. Like that's like that's like mana from heaven. That's everything. Like there's nothing else that matters right then and there than chewing that stick. And I think when we tap into nature, when we tap into animals, when we tap into even just standing amongst trees and their strength and their life force and their energy, it brings us some grounding. It brings us some presence. And so I invite you, if you can, to get out into nature. If you're near the water, get out near the ocean, listen to the waves, just close your eyes and experiencing and experience the crashing of the waves because they too have no idea what's going on. The ocean is just being the ocean. It's just alive in its existence. And that can bring a lot of peace, especially at a time like this. All right, on to today's guest. And thank you, for, thank you for indulging me on that. And today's guest is Vitaly Buford, a change agent transforming organizations and groups. Vitaly is an IPEC certified executive coach, international speaker, and author. She's been featured in the New York Times. She's the author of the upcoming book, Addicted to Perfect, de- detailing her 10-year struggle with Adderall and perfectionism. Vitali's experience includes more than a decade working in marketing and business development for a variety of industries and professional service organizations. She brings her personal experience, professional education and training, and her specialized healing techniques together to create a unique coaching system, one that gets to the root of the issue to bring about lasting and real change. She lives in central Kentucky with her son and their dog, and you can learn more about Vitali how she changes lives at vitalibuford.com. Vitali Buford, welcome to the Bloom Living Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: And uh, we were just talking off air, you're down in Kentucky. And, and before uh, before I brought you on, I did a little, you know, a little pre-ramble for the show talking about the current situation in the world. And so I'm curious how things are in Kentucky in terms of you know, people staying in their homes and the people you talk to, what is the general mindset that's going on?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, everything, everyone's following, I would say Kentucky is kind of ahead of the curve in terms of restrictions and people being quarantined and staying at home. And so we've been able to really slow the progress, um, but right now, for me as a coach, it's been interesting in terms of like a sociology experiment. You know, people are um, freaking out at different at different times. Some people freaked out three weeks ago. Some people freaked out yesterday. Some people have yet to really have this the reality of this sink in. And so for me, that's been the most interesting thing. And then also as someone who studies perfectionism and who helps people heal perfectionism, I would say right now is... The like most massive time of triggers for people who are perfectionists, and I would say right now is revealing the inner perfectionist in each of us.
0: Right, so that's interesting. Okay, I would love to know, like, what when you say right now is a great time for triggering? Or, great, meaning not like, hey, it's fantastic, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, there's an awful lot of amount of opportunity to be triggered uh, in the world of perfectionism. What would like, what are some things that would do that in the current situation?
1: Yeah. So, you know, when I when I talk about perfectionism, you know, people generally think of perfectionism as needing to have like the perfectly cleaned house or a perfectly organized desk. And for me, I'm talking about the deep roots of perfectionism. And those symptoms are things like need for control, right? So in our current environment, in a place of insert of uncertainty and a lack of safety and security, people's need for control is coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, like comparison is a symptom of, um, per- of perfectionism. And so like we're constantly, we're comparing ourselves, you know, like I'm homeschooling full-time and entrepreneur Entrepreneuring full time. And so for me, I was on social media, seeing all these quote, perfect homeschooling moms and started getting into this place of like, I'm not good enough. And then I was like, this is the stuff I teach every day. Like, it's fine. Like let everyone be where they are, you know? So those are, are some of the symptoms, you know, also symptoms of of perfectionism are also, you know, procrastination, people pleasing. Um, You know, not trusting our decisions, indecisiveness, um, unrealistic expectations of ourselves and others. And so, especially again, during this time, we can have really unrealistic expectations of ourselves, right? Like, oh my gosh, I've been gifted this time and I need to be the most productive ever. I'm going to learn to do yoga every day and I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes and I'm going to be the best mom and the best business owner. And, you know, (laughs) like we can. So, I would say right now is a trigger playground for
0: perfectionists wow i love thank you for that and i love you know i love the idea of the unrealistic expectations because those show up you know for a lot of people all the time and and so for for you know i'm not a perfectionist i so at least i don't think i am but uh my desk is messy and it it works for me so uh so i'm curious though like when when the unrealistic expectations. So they would, you know, a perfectionist would, I guess, would have that outside in the world of how things are going to be. And then when that gets condensed na- down, now it's it, like, if I'm just stuck in my home, now I'm going to be unbelievable at all of the things I can do at home. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Or, you know, I've been talking to, I've been doing a lot of workshops in the community and just, um, and coaching people on how to navigate change. And, you know, there are a lot of people who are like, well, you know, this is the time to quote, slow down. So I'm going to start that book that I've been wanting to write and I'm going to bake every day with my children and I'm going to exercise every day and I'm going to connect with all of my BFFs. And, and it's like, no, like this is actually this time of collective pause is showing us to slow down. It's showing us that balance is actually self-compassion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: that every day right now looks different. Every day looks different. In fact, every minute can look different. And so, you know, it's all about really showing yourself compassion, giving yourself permission to do life as it's showing up for you.
0: Right. So what's happening for some is they're just loading up the plate with other things instead of the opportunity to just be.
1: Right. Right. Because we are a society of go, go, go and productivity.
0: Right. I've often referred to it lately. I've been, I've, you know, I, I go on Facebook Live daily right now and do some meditations and uh, and talk about the stuff that's coming up for me. And I, I've been talking a lot lately about order and just, you know, just cutting down to just basic things and having some order in your life. And that this is a great opportunity to do that. And so if... How have you, you know, gone about ordering things right now in order for you or is it a bit scrambly or have you actually had a chance to sort of pause and begin to put some order in your life where it feels like you have, you know, for somebody that wants control, that's a good way to get some control is to put things in a little bit of an order.
1: Yeah. So I think it's, yeah. So for me, I had my initial freak out about three, three and a half weeks ago. So I was a little bit ahead of the curve. So it allowed me to go through that initial grief that everyone's experiencing, that like real discomfort and to pivot. And yeah, like adding structure to this time of unstructure is really important. Um, And so for me, my morning routine is, is critical now more than ever. And that means waking up and continuing to do my gratitude journaling and my meditation and my intention setting. And then also like Walking outside and grounding myself in nature, that's been something I've added to my routine. So yeah, it's what you, for us, it's more clear now than ever that we are responsible for ourselves. I know intellectually people know that, but truly this is a time where the power is in the pivot and also it's an opportunity to choose better. And when I say choose better, like choosing better thoughts, choosing better words, choosing better actions.
0: Right. I love it. Because our entire experience is on how we're thinking. Right. And, and so I've been like, we need to even put order into our thoughts.
1: Right. It's, it's more important now more than ever. And for me, as someone who's in the personal growth, coaching, speaking, writing industry, you know, like I, I'm really viewing this time as an initiation for me. You know, like if we all step up to the challenge, we could probably undergo 10 or 20 years worth of growth in a matter of two months.
0: Okay. So let's talk. So that's a great, I love that. I love that idea. Talk to me about that. How do you see that opportunity for people?
1: Right. So we're all stuck in our houses right now, except for, you know, grocery store, et cetera. And so we are stuck with our biggest insecurities, things that we have maybe buried down deep forever. We can now no longer escape. And so that could be issues with food and body image, right? So people like (laughs) we're in our house. And so to cope, we may be, you know, it's how we're numbing. Are we numbing with food? Are we numbing with alcohol and drugs? Are we numbing with social media? Are we numbing with Netflix? And so there's those things. And there's also like financial insecurity. So for me, like my money story, obviously, as all of us, our money stories are born in childhood. And sometimes can even go back and, you know, can be ancestral, um, money stories. And so right now for me, it's making me like forcing me to really look at my money. What am I spending being a better steward with my money? You know, it's, it's actually, I've connected now better with my boyfriend in terms of our relationship. Like we're having opportunities to connect on a different level, connecting on a different level with my son connecting on a different level with my money, connecting on a different level with my clients, things that I wouldn't have done unless I'd had this collective pause. And the money stuff is difficult. I don't want to look at my money. I don't want to deal with my money, but I'm like, you know what? This is a time of initiation and I'm going to lean into the uncom- like the discomfort of my money story. And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to heal it. You know, like I'm going to lean into the discomfort of my body image And I'm going to use this as an opportunity to heal it. You know, this is a time to set boundaries more than ever. Like if we say yes to this, it's a time to like become like boundary ninjas after this. Like we again are responsible for how much news we consume, how much media we consume, who we're even, even though we're not physically connecting with our friends, like they can still be negative over the phone and via text. So we're responsible for that, you know. There's just a lot of things that we're all being, that are coming up for us, and if we say yes to them, we can undergo massive growth.
0: Wow, thank you. That was. Sorry,
1: I get really excited about. No, this. no, I, I
0: love, <laughs> I love the passion, And, and I have been in uh, the money industry for two decades. That is what I do. I coach people with money. I've I've been a financial advisor. I I do profit first with business owners. Like I get it, what you're saying, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I love what you said. The power is in the pivot, and I see much more stuff on social media about what I'm binge watching right? Which I'm not, it's no judgment. It's like, I don't have a judgment about it. It's interesting to me because I love what you said that this, there is great power in this opportunity right now. Uh, And I see it on a, not to take over this, this conversation, but on a global scale, I see it as as an opportunity to reorder the house. Like the way the house has been ordered isn't working. Right. Clearly it's not working or we wouldn't be in the predicament we're in where people are going to be suffering immensely, especially financially, if this goes on for a long period of time. Right. Right. And that just doesn't work. Like how, how can we have a society where that's okay that we build a system where it's okay that people are left destitute at the end. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I love what you said. The power is in the pivot. I want to go back a little. Okay. To Adderall.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Since you do have a book, right? And, and the book is out now, correct?
1: Yeah, it came out yesterday. Wow! Look at this. Yeah. woo.
0: Because <laughs> the the bio you uh, the bio I had for you was the upcoming book, and now the book came the book came out yesterday. So this is, is like is your here. this is like your book launch.
1: Yeah. Hold on. I've got it with me. I'll show you. Yeah. That's exciting.
0: Addicted to perfect, yeah. Lovely. Congratulations on that.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: and we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. So let's, get, let's go back. So Adderall. Right. I, I don't know. I didn't look up Adderall. I think I know what it is. But maybe for our listeners, you can just tell us you know, what Adderall is and then yeah. that journey for you.
1: Yeah. So Adderall is a prescription stimulant. And when used correctly, it is used to treat ADHD, ADD. I am not ADHD or ADD, and um, growing up, I really struggled with, you know, I was always thin growing up, and then when I went to college, I gained weight, and I was on diet after diet after diet, and I was, you know, working two jobs, taking 18 hours um, of classes, and my boyfriend, my junior year of college, was prescribed Adderall for his ADD, and he said, why don't you try an Adderall? I'd never heard of it. I was out of the loop. And I tried it, and it was, quote, the perfect drug for me. And I had stayed away from all, like, a lot of recreational drugs because addiction runs in my family. Um, But, of course, I'm like, oh, it's a prescription drug. Like, that's okay. I'll give myself permission to to do this. And it was, quote, the perfect drug. So I lost, you know, 10 pounds in, you know, two weeks without trying. I was able to stay up till 2 or 3 a.m. studying with ease. And that started a 10 year love affair with Adderall. And so I was addicted to it from age 21 to age 31. And I got my own prescription because at that time doctors were all you had to list was your symptoms and all I had to do was Google it. And so, um, once I had one prescription, you know, that really kind of launched this 10 year love affair with it. And I went from taking 10 or 20 milligrams a day to 360 milligrams a day at the end of my 10 years.
0: And, and I just have a question. Yep. So this was prescribed by the doctor. Yeah. This level of increase.
1: Well, I was doctor shopping, so I was going to get into my legal, my legal activity and manipulation. Okay. So um, I had a very, very successful corporate career. I was running uh, marketing departments and business development departments for law firms, and I looked you know, by any count, very perfect on the outside. In fact, people would say that like, you just have such a perfect life, like, like how thin you are, and you're so successful and blah, blah, blah. But I was dying on the inside. And over the course of 10 years, my tolerance grew. you know, like 10 milligrams a day wasn't cutting it. And doctors are only allowed to prescribe a certain amount and a certain number of prescriptions. And so then I started seeing multiple doctors. So at the height, I think there was one time I was seeing like, Four, I was seeing four doctors at once and that required like, cause my, the tolerance I was at required four or five prescriptions a month, which was not only expensive, but just dangerous. I could have gone to jail. Um, and then at the end of my, my 10 years, two doctors had found out about each other and they could have turned me into the police, but they didn't, because I guess they would have been in trouble too because they should have checked the records and they hadn't been responsible in that degree. And so it was just by the grace of God, that I didn't get into legal trouble, um, but they found out about each other and it was just a, there was a point in my life, a series of events happened and I was like, I can't live this way anymore. And so I ended up going to rehab.
0: Wow. So what's that, what was that experience like of the addiction What and coming off of it?
1: Yeah. So the addiction was all consuming. I've had a lot of friends actually that have been reading my book these past few days. And they've just been saying like, I didn't know it was that bad. I didn't know the number of doctors you had been seeing. Um, And it was all consuming. Um, You know, like I'd wake up and it was like, I would take seven Adderall in the morning and then take some in the afternoon. And then I would sort of drinking to come down from it in the evenings. Um, But I still got stuff done. And so people, no one knew Um, coming off of it there I was hungry, I was tired. And then the worst side effect was depression, like very, very deep depression because Adderall had been my identity for 10 years. Being thin was how I thought, what was one of the reasons I thought I was worthy, being productive and super successful in my career was my identity. So essentially my identity had been taken away from me. Mm. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know if I'd be able to perform professionally uh, without it and it was really really scary but you know after just it took about the tiredness wore off i would say after two weeks i was able Mm -hmm. to have more energy um but the depression was was really difficult
0: wow thank you hey it's thomas here thanks so much for listening to the bloom living podcast we'll be right back with our guest after a word from our sponsors Do you feel uneasy visiting a bank? Do you struggle to sit through a meeting with your financial advisor and leave having not fully understood what they were talking about? Are you blindly trusting that somebody else understands this better than you? Call Thomas the Shooter and the team at Bloom Strategies to create your financial future. Together you will break down the game of money so that you win. Learn how to take control of your finances and make decisions based on your core values. That put you in the driver's seat of your financial life. No more thinking that you don't get it. No more financial statements left unopened and no more feeling like you are stuck in a world of scarcity. Join the conversation on Facebook at Bloom Strategies or go to bloomstrategies.com today. That's B-L-O-O-M strategies.com. Hey, welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Bloom Living Podcast and now back to today's guest how did you rebuild yourself yeah how did you put things back together in a way that has you be who you are today
1: yeah so the first thing was well a you know i i went to rehab and then i did three months of outpatient treatment and i knew myself i knew that i needed to go to inpatient rehab you know, my mom was like, are you sure you need that? Everyone outside of me was like, you could probably just do outpatient. And I was like, I've been an addict for 10 years. Like I physically need to be removed from my environment because a few years prior to that, two doctors had also found out about each other and forced me to go off of it. And I went back on it three months later. So I knew myself, I was like, I know that I'm going to need rehab. So you know, being honest with yourself, doing the scary things. I mean, telling my boss at the law firm that I needed to go, like, can I have two weeks paid leave to go to rehab was so scary. I was like, they're going to fire me, but it's leaning into the discomfort. And then for me, what really started the rebuilding was finally being able to be honest. Mm-hmm. Cause while I wasn't, you know, necessarily lying, I wasn't, nobody knew. I couldn't tell people what I was struggling with. No one knew like what was going on with me for ten years, and so to finally be like, I have a you know an Adderall addiction. I'm recovering from it. Like that ability to be honest and authentic and vulnerable is really what started changing my life.
0: Right. So it's like uh, it's like a release, right? It's like I, I I now I now let to get to just let this yeah. go, put it out there, deal with whatever shows up because of it. But once you do that. It's now in the past, right? And, and you've—it's like you have a new platform to build from, right? Is that, is that, is that what you're saying? Is that what—that's kind of what I'm—I'm mean. trying to, you know, scrunch it up into a, a little package. But that's what I'm hearing.
1: Yeah, totally. And then you know, that initial sobriety—you're like on this pink cloud, and then you're like, oh, haha, here are the real issues I need to deal with. Oh. Adderall was only a symptom of this bigger issue. You know, I ended up like developing an eating disorder when I got sober because the Adderall had been removed, but my need for control and perfectionism had not been removed. So I got down to a hundred pounds and then what really changed my life was I became the guardian and the parent to my nephew and being a single parent, I didn't want to model an eating disorder behavior. I also couldn't like, actually continue that lifestyle with a child in the picture I didn't want to Um, and so those things began to change me I changed careers and then became a coach and here I am today.
0: Wow that's amazing. Yeah thank you. you. Well thank you for sharing that no thank uh, like there's just so much uh, there's so much in there of what I love to talk about on this show in terms of how life comes at us, how we deal with it, and how we can restructure it and reorganize it if we choose to in a way that empowers us. And, you know, one of my sayings is we live from the inside out. And so if if we're not willing to go within and do that thing to dissect ourselves, then then these other things outside of us can can control us, right? I love, uh, you've said it a few times, leaning into the discomfort. And I've I've heard that before from other people, but I'd love to get Uh, sort of, I guess, a visual or some sort of interpretation from you, like what does leaning into the discomfort look like?
1: Right. So like, I know there's, you know, those quotes that like all growth happens outside your comfort zone, but it's true. Like all of my growth has been from doing scary shit. And that means like acknowledging that it's going to be scary, giving yourself a pep talk and releasing control. A lot of us, again, as perfectionists, we don't want to do scary things cause we can't control the outcome. Mm. But when you can give your, when you can allow life to be an experiment, that's when all the magic happens. So for me, like, for example, like when I knew that I needed to go to rehab, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to tell my boss who's the managing partner at this law firm that I'm going with, you know, with five, 600 employees, but I need to go to rehab. I have no idea what he's going to say, but I know I need to do this for me and it's going to be really scary, but I can do this. I've done scary things, you know, like even now as we're in this, this, you know, collective pause, I'm going to be very careful about my word, my wording over here, this collective pause that we're in looking at our finances and dealing with them are very, can be a very scary thing to do, but just knowing like, okay, I'm going to look at my bank statement. I'm going to look at all my bills. What can I cut? Like, this is going to be really uncomfortable and I'm going to do it. Hmm. You know, it's about like, that is going to be scary. And I've done scarier things as a human in my life. And I don't know what the outcome is, but I know I've survived harder things.
0: Right. Uh, Your boss. So I have this You know, I think I've said it a few times in the past that we always project that it's going to be far worse than it actually is. How did your boss react?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, it was funny when I was getting evaluated by the rehab for whether or not I was like a viable candidate to go into rehab. I was like, well, I don't know what, because, you know, my career was my identity. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to tell my boss. And she was like, honey, you work for lawyers. They're probably going to rehab every day. (laughs) And I was like, good point. That gives me some confidence. And so like I told him, and I think because it was Adderall, you know what I'm saying? Like people just don't recognize. And that's another, that's one of the reasons I wrote this book is to bring to light the issues with Adderall. No one wants to talk about it because it makes you perfect and productive and no one wants to give those things up. But he was like, he responded really well and he was very gracious and supportive and Um, you know, obviously probably shocked him. So he probably didn't have a choice but to be, but he responded really well.
0: (laughs) Right. So it wasn't the big, dark, scary, oh my gosh, that, that you had imagined, right? That it was like in your head, it was like, oh, this is going to be, and it actually didn't end up being that way.
1: Yeah. He was like, it's cool. And it was in the summertime. So no one really noticed that I was gone because I was basically on a vacation (laughs) to them.
0: (laughs) Awesome. We are speaking with Vitaly Buford, author of "Addicted to Perfect," who is actually having her book launch on the Bloom Living Podcast today. <laughs> Great. <Yeah. laughs> this is awesome. I'm, I'm, I feel honored to uh, be having this, yeah, to be having this conversation with you on uh, the day after such a uh, historic event in your life, because I released a book in 2016. And it was, you know, for me, it was like, Hey, I think I'll write a book about finance and I wrote it and put it out and that's that. And maybe I'll write another one. I don't know. Uh, Let's, let's dive a little bit into the book. What, what was the scariest stuff that you had to do in the process of, of laying it all on the line?
1: Yeah. So for me, again, just like rehab, I know what I need and I'm going to be honest, you know, about what I need. You know, there are two ways you can publish a book, as you know, self-publish or publisher. And for me, I wanted to go with a publisher because I knew that writing my memoir was going to be highly sensitive. And I was going to need to be held to a legal deadline. (laughs) Like that if I self-published, I would still be talking about it. So for me, it was the initial like signing of the book contract. And really allowing like myself to write the book because I re- there were a million excuses. I was like, it's not the right time. You know, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I was like, it's not the perfect time. There's still things in my life that I want to say, you know, like this book contract is a very author friendly. And I was like, done is better than perfect moment. Get it done. So one was just like, okay, like this is my first memoir and this is how life is showing up for me now. And this is what is true for me now. And I'm going to allow that. Like. I think for me, I was like, I need to have all the puzzle pieces of my life figured out. Well, guess what? News alert. That's actually never possible. Um, As we grow, we'll find, we uncover more of the puzzle pieces, but we never, you know, typically see the entire picture unless you're like Eckhart Tolle. Um, And so like for me, I was just like, okay, like this is fine. So I signed the contract and then I wrote the book in five weeks. Wow. Wow. And I wrote it for myself because a lot of people say, you know, have this avatar, who is your ideal reader? And I'm like, I'm writing this book for me. Um, And that allowed me, and and then I just wrote stream of consciousness and I wrote the chapters that were easiest. And then I wrote the hardest. Mm -hmm. Um, But really it was by just writing and not editing. So I didn't go back and edit. I just wrote, and then I submitted it to my publisher and then, and then there was a content editor, but I would say, like getting over those limiting self you know self sabotaging beliefs, I think that a lot of us will like will experience resistance or fear, and we think that that is a sign we shouldn't do things right. and sometimes we maybe shouldn't, but I would say a lot of times like the more resistance and fear you feel, like the bigger your dream is
0: well yeah i, I... So yeah, I, I mean, I was a rock musician. I made records. I, I had a dream of touring the world and playing my drums till you know I was able to play them on a mountaintop or something like. <laughs> like who knows what that looked like? And and so yeah, that that living into that uh, can be. I think it's two things, right? There's the there's the the feeling like, oh, I want to do this, and then also the more it's almost like the more you want to do it the bigger that resistance part of you comes up that says, who do you think you are? So so who do you think you are to write a book?
1: Right. And that is a message that was actually programmed in me. Um, That's really interesting that you brought that up. That was a message that was programmed into me as a child. My dad, when he would get angry, would look at me and be like, who do you think you are? And so that was actually, that is one of my, and that is directly correlated to my fear of success. Who am I to succeed? Who am I to be financially stable? Who am I to be in a happy relationship? Who am I to be successful?
0: Mm. Yeah, and, and that makes me think of the four agreements. And in there, the, yeah. he speaks of the Toltecs and the dream of the planet and how we're raised. And everything we have is, if you could get to the source of where it comes from, then you could, you could likely find your true self, right? Like, right. And, and for, like I love what you said off the top about money. Uh, it's the story of money, and it's anse- it can be an- ancestral. Like, how far back does this story go? And, and I usually use things like, how often did you hear growing up, we can't afford that, that's too expensive, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, I'm not made of money. And so, right. and so as a child, as you grow up, that whole thing becomes unobtainable because you were told it's actually unobtainable yeah. and then you live into it. Right. So as we, as we get close to uh, wrapping up today's amazing show, I will say this has been, I've loved everything you've said so far, Vitali. So thank you. Uh, what, you know, what are one or two things that our listeners could take away? Because this, this will come out within a week. I'm yeah. assuming we'll still uh, have the opportunity for our collective pause. I love I love the way you put that, in, in a week. What are maybe one or two things that somebody could take and just begin to create a shift? Because I, I don't think it needs to be major, right? It's those little shifts that add up to the big shift.
1: Yeah. I would say... Um, you know, right now is a time of obviously a lot of fear and anxiety and certainty. And so a tool that people can use right now to switch out of anxiety is to go from what if to even if. Mm. When we're stuck in fear, we're like, well, what if I can't pay the mortgage? What if my child doesn't go back to school this year? You know, what if I get a divorce because I'm like, you know, 24 seven with my significant other, you know, what if. Like what are, what, what happens to my job? And so if you can switch from what if to even if that's a quick win, you know, even if I can't pay the mortgage, it, it really is going to be okay. Even if my child doesn't go back to school, it's going to be okay. Even if, you know, something changes with my job, I'm going to be okay. And so in terms of quick wins, just switching from what if to even if can be really, really powerful. And then I would also just say another thing, um, like, I'll give 10 tips. No, but um, the last thing I'll leave them with is my, one of my favorite um, quotes is that done is better than perfect. And so if there's something you want to, you've wanted to act on, it can be anything from a morning routine to having a difficult conversation, to starting that project done is better than perfect because every time you, you take action on something, you build your self-confidence, then you take more action, then you build more self-confidence and so just get started. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be forward moving. It just needs to be done.
0: Wow. Thank you. Uh, where can, so a couple things. Where is the best place for people to get a hold of you? Yep. And where can people find your book?
1: Yeah. So I am most active on Instagram, and it's just Vitaly Buford is my name. So you can follow me on Instagram. That would be amazing. And then my book, Addicted to Perfect, is available um, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble.
0: Fabulous. And you also do have a website. I, I did uh, mention yeah. it. You, you still I mentioned it off the top, and it, it's just your name.com, correct? Vitality yeah, Dot yep. com. Great. And we'll have all of that in the show notes so that all of our listeners can can tune in and and check you out. And um, and I don't think I follow you on Instagram, but I'm going to start.
1: All right. And I'll follow you back.
0: Oh woo! It's a deal. <laughs> Well, hey, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I would have loved to have gone longer, but I scheduled myself today to do an abundance awakening for the week at, at 1111 on my Money, Mindset, and Love Facebook page. And then it was like, oh, I have a podcast at 10. How is that going to work? That Because sometimes they can go well over an right. hour, right? So I apologize that I'm cutting us short <laughs> today. But what this means is that we're going to have an opportunity to get together again. I know. Because I loved our conversation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, you are speaking my language in so many ways. So I thank you. Uh, and you're the second person I know from Kentucky. And... You're both awesome so (laughs) maybe i should probably go to kentucky someday
1: you should you should
0: vitaly buford it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for joining me on the bloom living podcast
1: thanks for having me
0: a huge thanks to today's guest and to you for being a part of the show now if any of the ideas or stories did strike a chord with you then i'd be honored if you would just take a quick moment to do a couple of things one if something in particular did resonate with you and you feel like it would make a difference in the lives of others, then please go ahead and share this through your social media channels. We'd like that very much. And two, if you are feeling compelled to join in on our ever-growing Bloom Living conversation, then hit the subscribe button and we'll show up every time there is a new episode available. You know... It's not only my goal, but it's the goal of our entire Bloom Living team and community to be the very change that we want to see in the world. All ideas begin with a conversation, first with yourself and then with others. So we welcome your voice and we ask that you send along any comments, thoughts or questions. This is Thomas DeShooter, Bloom Living. I don't wanna turn your stomach fast. I don't wanna get all mired into that sentiment. I don't think I found me a pocket here There's bad bumps stolen on my television. My mailbox of bankers pouring in.